0: If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and Mother to Ali, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I'm excited to introduce this week's show. As I reflect on our first 100 episodes, I thought it would be fun to put together some of the team's favorite segments. Every guest has inspired me, and I hope they inspire you, too. Thanks for listening to our show and for your continued support. So, Bavani, you've had an amazing career, as you've said. You've been so blessed. But you've been in a career that has traditionally been male-dominated. But I just look at St. Louis, and I think about St. Louis. There are so many women leaders now in technology in St. Louis, and obviously, you're one of those. What are some of the challenges that you feel like you've had to overcome? But what would you tell young girls? We need more people in STEM, do we not?
1: Yes, absolutely. Me and too.
0: certainly we need more women. How can we all help?
1: Well, I think that's a great question. There's so much to STEM, you know, and sometimes I think folks can think of it and say, well, you know, if I don't like math, I'm not going to go do STEM. And right. I don't think that's necessarily right. the case in you know, there's so much to, you know, doing science that may not actually have to do with your math skills or your computer skills, medicine, biology, research. You know, I think about like even the technology world, you know, to make a good technology product come to life. Well, you need technologists, you need user experience folks, you need folks with, you need the good left and the right skills, brains. Exactly. Right. You need folks that can actually market the product. Mm-hmm. And so... I do think there's so many different aspects to, you know, making STEM come live. And um, I actually like STEAM more than even STEM. Yes, I do too. Put the arts in there. Put the arts in there. Mm -hmm. And and I think in terms of encouraging girls to take on, I think part Mm -hmm. of it is just there shouldn't be a stigma to it or a fear. You know, I I don't think there is a, oh, boys are better at this or girls are better. I think anyone should be able to go do any of it. I think just having that mindset and being able to encourage girls to go in and do that early on, very early on, I think is huge. Men or women, I do think, you know, you set your ceiling. So if you don't want to have one, and you want to be bold, you want to be courageous, you can go pursue anything that you really want to go do. And so I think from that standpoint, it's about encouraging girls to be brave. I think about just good leaders in general, right? You know, it's being courageous, having the curiosity to go learn, and being compassionate. You know, I mean, I just think if you bring those elements, and I do think getting girls into that mode really early on goes a long way.
0: That's your three
1: C's, right? That's my three C's, <laughs> that's
0: right. So curiosity, courage, and compassion. And the book that you're referring to is called The Genius of One. Yeah. You know, I just said to you, I feel like when I read this book, the thread through the book is how do we love one another well? And you talk about in there how one of Jesus's prayers was that these people that you've given me, Father, yeah. will be unified, yeah. that they will be one. Yeah. You know, I want you to dive into that a little bit, Greg, but the whole point is there is so much divisiveness in our world. And so when you do see people unified like that and loving one another well, the world takes notice. It's It's a different.
2: It absolutely is different and healing and inspiring. It does all of those things. So without jumping into the deep end of the theological pool, and there's a huge sigh of relief from all of your listeners now, (laughs) um, I would say this. Jesus, on what I characterize as the worst night of his life, so most people will know his story and that he's betrayed by a friend. It's just a horrible, horrible night for him. He, with time ticking off of the clock, he prays a prayer for his followers, and the prayer is for unity. Now, what I find fascinating is when time is of the essence, we usually boil things down to what matters the most. I mean, it's just, here's the short list of what matters. If you're a prayer and you've only got so much time, you're praying about the most important things. Well, okay, I'm gonna lean in. Jesus is praying, and if you really read the prayer, he's praying for all of his followers. What does he pray? He prays for unity. He doesn't pray that we would be the most successful church. He doesn't pray that we would win all of the theological debates. He doesn't pray that we would have political power. He doesn't pray that we would be extraordinarily wealthy. He doesn't pray that we would be the cool kids at the table. He doesn't pray any of those things. When time is of the essence, Mm -hmm. he prays for our unity. And if you really read the rest of the prayer, in business terms... He says, if we do that out, we have a missional effectiveness.
0: Right. The leader sets a vision, sets up the purpose, the mission of the organization, right? And then what is always talked about is alignment, getting everyone yeah. aligned to the mission. Yes. And we, we laughingly say, you know, when you want to get people in the boat rowing in the same direction. Right. Right. <laughs> it's chaos.
2: Right.
3: Right. You know,
0: if you don't have that. So, That's exactly right. You know, it's the same thing. So, I mean, yeah, Jesus was right.
3: You know, people ask me what I do at Kingdom Capital. Mm-hmm. I really explain it in two ways. First off, every Monday, our team gets together, and we talk about what we were blessed with over the week and the weekend and what we need prayers for. And we all know each other's families, and we know each other's experiences, and we, we live in that moment of being involved in each other's lives. Doing and, life uh, together, that's yes, what I call it. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and we pray together. Mm-hmm. We pray in every meeting that we do. That was a part of my spiritual journey and, and, and where I was going. And secondarily, as a leadership team, we get together and we study Scripture and its applicability to what it is we do in, in the workplace. To and work. so we, we mm-hmm. strongly believe in that um, values drive valuation. And I so love that. As we values
0: at, drive valuation. Right.
3: And so we are trying to apply values first and foremost, looking in the mirror and applying them to ourselves. And then as we look at investment, there has to be a values alignment.
0: Right. Let's back up for a minute because our listeners that are listening may go, oh, I don't even know what Kingdom Capital does. Why don't you talk a little bit about Kingdom Capital?
3: Absolutely. So Kingdom Capital is a private investment firm that's values-based. So our goal really is to have institutional investors in us, is that we invest in others, values-based, and then eventually have a foundation that lies as connected to us in order to take those uh, that virtuous cycle of capital and be able to invest it back in the 501Cs and the community and people. And so you Mm -hmm. won't hear this often, but we are a private investment firm formed for the purposes of giving money away, which is, (laughs) (laughs) you're never going to hear that. No, you don't. Um, We're looking at kingdom sizes, we would call the kingdom size bets and opportunities. So we have a, a relationship with Washington University working with the university on capitalization of research and being able to look at cancer and how to apply technology to advance that and utilize technology in in the whole health and medical sector. So we focus on that. I came alongside to create the technology investment group. There's two terms we use. Everybody knows what IRR is. In that return, we, we look at ERR. That's the eternal rate of return which really for us means how do you run your company? How do your employees feel? What are your values? What are your value system? What is your culture? Is it sustainable? How do we come alongside to enhance and help? But it's also about the things that you work on. Are we you know going to make a difference? And that was initially mm-hmm. difficult for me because when you think about technology, technology by itself is meaningless. Technology as it's applied to something is when it becomes valuable. For mm-hmm. instance, as we look at Perchaya, a company that we we just formed with WashU, out of that research, and it's going to take drug discovery from 15, 20 years into the two, three-year time frame. So, you know, that host speed the market to heal the body. And other companies that we're looking to form, but then investments that we look to make in companies that will, A, have sort of the right leadership and the right culture, but be how those things enhance our BD activities and also enhance people's lives. So that's the things that we're focused on.
4: I
0: want to start out, you wrote something, you said the off-season is the most important time of the year. This is the time where players with goals strengthen their weaknesses, sharpen their strengths to improve their skills for the upcoming season. How does that translate into the rest of life? You know, the off-season, because you think, really, it's the season. You know, it's when you're playing the game and when you're winning games and, you know, that sort of thing. But you're saying it's the off-season is the most important time.
4: Yes. Uh, There's a common phrase that we use in the sports world. So the biggest games are played in March. You win today in practice. Today in February. You win today in July to play in March. Those games are won in the off-season through your preparation and how you show up, how you prepare for those moments. That's what separates the good from the great. And many people wait. And I love to say that the best time is now. For those who actually seek high levels of greatness, there is no off-season. That is a time where you put in the most work to sharpen I don't like the to call weaknesses. them weaknesses. <laughs> right, I don't I either. I like to call them stretches or opportunities. And the off-season is the perfect time to strengthen or sharpen those stretches and opportunities.
0: Mm-hmm. Such great advice. And I heard something a long time ago that said really success is when preparation and opportunity intersect. And you've seen it before mm-hmm. where maybe opportunities are there, but the person did not take the time that they needed to take to prepare for that opportunity. And then they may not even it.
4: Yes. You either don't recognize it or once given that opportunity, you fail because you weren't prepared for it. So the main thing is being prepared for. There's another equation that I like to use as well. So a championship performance equals advanced preparation plus opportunity. Yeah.
0: You know, I'm just reminded too, and and I'd love for you to talk a little bit about this, but you said as a leader, I mean, it is important to love your people, Mm. right? And can you tell that story just a little bit? I just think that, you know, when you went to Popeye's.
5: Right. You know, love is not a word we use very often Mm -hmm. in in business. In fact, most people kind of go, don't talk about that. Except if you're Southwest
0: Airlines. There you go. (laughs) There There you go.
5: Well, so a friend of mine says, uh, love is not a feeling, it's an action verb. And I think that's the way we should think about it in the business world is, are we acting lovingly towards the people we've been asked to serve? At Popeye's, we had 300 franchise owners who had invested their whole families and everything they owned into building our restaurants and serving our guests. And yet, we were not serving them well the business results have been terrible we talked about them terribly we said they're annoying they're always yelling at us they're mean <laughs> you know they're emotional we had all these adjectives for them that were not loving so when they came in the room we did not act loving towards them we didn't listen well we didn't respect their investment we didn't ask for their ideas and solutions and until we really made loving them our priority, we couldn't serve them very well. Mm. And always that required laying down our own interest and our own needs. One time I asked a franchisee, how do you know what's a good? when we do a good job leading you, what do we do? And what do we do when it's a bad job? Oh, he said, oh, that's easy. Bad job, you show up with your PowerPoint presentation, you tell us what to do. Good job, you come to the meeting with a white piece of paper and you say, what's on your mind? He said, nothing could demonstrate more interest and respect and care for us than saying what's on your mind. That's an awesome lesson. It's a great lesson. Awesome lesson.
0: When you and I met, you gave me a few issues of Gazelle, and it is a beautiful, beautiful magazine. I mean, it truly is a step above anything that I've seen. Uh, It's just beautiful. Where does the name Gazelle come from? So
6: being from Zambia, I'm inspired by things in my culture in my environment. There's an African fable that says that every morning when a gazelle wakes up, it has to run faster than the fastest lion to survive. And every morning when a lion wakes up, it has to run faster than the slowest gazelle to survive. So when you think about it, every morning when you wake up, when I wake up, it's survival of the fittest. (laughs) Right. And I'm fit. You're running. I am running. You're outrunning something. Sometimes you're outrunning your own doubts. You have to outrun the challenges that are happening on a daily basis. In order for me to drive this and the women we feature in Gazelle, we have a section called Gazelles in our Mists. They are running. They are finding their space. Right. How can we change the narrative? And I have said,
0: We've got to be talking. That's why I'm so excited about talking about these things so we can educate people so we can change the narrative. It's one person at a time. About, do you know what's going on in North St. Louis? I mean, this is so exciting. We're getting the national geospatial intelligence agency.
7: Yeah. The headquarters. It's been a long time since the community invested in a narrative. And you know, we you do have to create a set of tools for the community because everybody's got day jobs. That's right. They don't have time to That's look right. at all what's happening. And, mm-hmm. and just like everything, you know, we need help curating it. You know, I've been a part of a movement of a broad coalition of business and civic leaders that came together to say, you know what? This is a really special moment in time in St. Louis. Our city, which certainly had a lot of challenges historically, Mm -hmm. $9 billion of investment is happening. That is generationally significant. You've got these great centers of entrepreneurship at places like Cortex and T-Rex. Cortex, another example. When I moved back from college, It was 200 decaying industrial acres. It's now home to 6,000 jobs and companies like Microsoft and Aon and others that have come in. You know, we are going through a period of transformation. And we said, we need to do a better job of telling our story because you can't grow and be the best-kept secret. You've mm-hmm, got to, you know, mm-hmm. that's part where you do got to boast as We've a community. We've got to be a
0: little braggadocious. That's here. right. That's
7: <laughs> right, because you do compete for talent, and you do compete yes. for investment. So we actually did a bunch of research. What do people care about, and what are their emotional connections to St. Louis? And where that all came out was we're using the hashtag STL main. We should all tell our own stories, but just add that one extra element mm-hmm. to say, I'm the best technology partners but I'm part of a community Mm -hmm. and I've got that pride. And so STL Made creates the opportunity to do that. But it's really the centering principles are St. Louis is a place where you can start up, stand out and stay. And those became the things we were so proud of. Mm -hmm. When you go ask this community entrepreneurship, our entrepreneurial history, our ability and our growth in startups. You know, last year we were number one in the United States for women-founded startups. Yes, I know. We are leading the country. And St. Louisans, it turns out, are proud about that. Mm -hmm. Whether you live in the city, the suburbs, or any other dimension, we were all proud of our startup community. Mm -hmm. So that's critical. And then I definitely
0: think that's a something extra. I mean, to be number one. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) In the country. Because we. It's incredible. We are leading in
7: this area of diversity Mm -hmm. of women founded startups. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so extraordinary. At times it's hard to believe, you know, you're like, did we really pull that off? Right. Uh, We did. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to keep getting bigger. And then the idea that some markets have had such rapid growth, they become unaffordable. For a lot of young people, a lot of families. And St. Louis has some of the most affordable Affordable. places that you can live. Really cool neighborhoods, whether you Mm -hmm. like suburbs or urban. There's so many choices here that are affordable. It's a place you can stay. You can put down roots and... You know, the idea of standing out, this is a place where you can make a difference.
0: I love that. Start up, stand, stand out. out, and stay. That's right. I love that. We're People a, can just start saying that. That's you right.
7: Know? And you'll hear, uh, you know, some of our elected officials and others say that. I mean, those are really what makes us special, creates a unique value proposition, mm-hmm. and it's what this community cares about. Yeah. And so we're going to keep taking that message out, show our pride, and allow others to be a part of this, and let's build a big old table and just a wonderful community.
0: Let's do it. In 1987, you had something happen in your life that was a pivotal point for you. And for those two or three people that don't know your story, I want you to tell your story if you would. Yeah.
8: The background to the question, because it's such a beautiful question, is this though. It took me 20 years after the story I'm about to share with you to even begin to embrace the simplicity and the complexity and the challenges and the blessings of what happened to me on this day. And, And it is this I had witnessed little boys in my neighborhood playing with fire and gasoline in early January 1987. They would sprinkle gasoline on a sidewalk. They would strike a match, stand back two feet, throw a match on top, and it would just jump to life. And we were little boys, man, growing up in this community and it's safe and nobody was watching. And as I'm looking at these boys, I'm thinking if they can do that and get away with it, so can I. And so that weekend... My father was at work. My mother was out with two of my sisters. The house was mine. I bent over a can of gasoline in a garage. It was five gallons, completely filled to the rim, lit a piece of cardboard on fire, bent down next to it. And the plan, Lisa, was to pour just a little bit of gas to watch it spark to life like I'd seen these older guys do. And before the liquid came out, the fumes rushed out of that container. It created a massive explosion. It split the can into, and it launched the little boy, John O'Leary. 20 feet against the far side of the garage. That is a mighty inflection point and just the beginning of a very difficult and yet in time, a very blessed story.
0: Mm-hmm. But at the time, your brother maybe that came and got the rug from the foyer or something, is that yeah. is that what happened? I mean, if it's I'm a heard-
8: pretty remarkable story that I seldom share live. But th- this one I'm glad you asked about because it's worth sharing because a lot of times people who hear a story like this or they hear about a business owner that grew a huge top-line revenue and bottom-line profitability, and they think, well, that's them. That's John O'Leary's story of being burned, or that's Tom Hill's story of growing the business, or whatever it might be. What about the ordinary people like you and me, though? I would consider myself extraordinarily ordinary, and where I get my strength is in the ordinary heroes who showed up for me. And the very first hero who showed up for me on January 17, 1987, was not a firefighter or a police officer or some heroic combat veteran. It was my brother. He was sleeping in the basement. He heard the explosion. Then he heard the screams for help. It blasted out the windows throughout our entire house. So this was a mighty explosion. He came up from the the basement where he slept. He ran into the front hall and on top of the hall rug stood his nine-year-old brother, John. And I had flames, Lisa, leaping three feet off of my body. I'm an inferno. I'm slowly burning to death. And my brother sees this and he's not ready for it. And I see my brother, Jim, and I'm not ready for him. Jim's my older brother. He'd never done anything nice for me in our entire lives together. So when I was on this rug praying for a hero, it wasn't exactly Jim I was hoping and praying for. And yet this was his day. This was the moment for him to wake up. Like you need to hear that listeners and John O'Leary and everybody else. You need to wake up and embrace where you are and what's possible in your life going forward from this moment. Jim embraced the moment. He picked up a rug. He ran over to me. The, the flames leapt three feet off of me. He burned himself in the process. He wrapped me in that little blanket. He carried me outside, saved my life, rolled around on top of me. He called someone, make sure that my sisters are out of the house, make sure that our pets are out of the house. But the lifesaver of the year in 1987 was a 17 year old who changed who embraced where he was and what he could do in his next step, his next breath. It's an opportunity, I think, for all of us every day of our lives.
9: Are you an IT executive with years of experience? Are you energized when you empower others? If I've piqued your interest thus far, you may be a great mentor for the TechLX program in St. Louis. TechLX prepares rising IT leaders to tackle today's challenges and prepare for tomorrow's demanding roles by pairing them with senior IT executives like yourself. Mentors receive coaching from technology partners and will be invited to all TechAlex networking events featuring outstanding speakers of the IT industry. To apply, visit tpi.co/tlx.
0: Tell me a little bit about if there's a story that you can think of where there was maybe something extra missing in someone or a teammate or or yourself even.
6: I think that Missing is a funny word. I think that, you know, most of the time everybody has something special and it's our job as leaders to help them bring it forward. And so, I, you know, I look for people that are interesting, that are curious, that know that they don't know everything and want to learn and aren't afraid to try a new thing, be on a new team. So for me, a, a mistake is I'm trying to get them to bring forth their talents. And I find that that is an amazing way. I mean, build bear we started with just a few people, but they were a few really good people. They weren't necessarily the smartest or the most talented in their field. I don't know that. We were a small startup, and so getting people to come to work for little money and a dream, you know, it's hard to do, but we got great people, and what they had was heart. And that's what I think we have to find in all of our employees, the heart, and help children who have heart find that passion for themselves because there are so many job opportunities out there. There's so many career paths pathways that people could go on. I happen to have a, a small, good staff now in our family foundation, and they have this something extra. And I would say that they have curiosity. They are definitely, they, they dig in and they find the answers. They love that that I don't have to direct them very much, that they have this passion for our community and that they go for it in ways that I could never have imagined. They follow, They at this point in life, I'm probably not going to change some of my bad habits. So they support me and compliment me in that and help me stay organized and on schedule. But the curiosity is something that I'm always attracted to that I call it a superpower. And when you see it, you should go for it because that kind of worker will become an athlete in a way, you know, of digging in and finding the answers, not being settled for the easiest pathway.
0: Right. No, that's a great point. And they're not afraid of the preparation that it takes. So this is something extra. And what I'd love for you to do is tell us a story where something extra was missing in you.
10: Yeah, I have uh, back to the opportunity. It made me think about it when you talked about my opportunity to look at M&A and be the CTO Mm -hmm. of architecture. I had good momentum in my career as a technologist, had done a lot of emerging technology, suddenly found myself sitting in what I would say is the, you know, the C-suite of conversations in an operating committee. And it was a recurring set of meetings in awe of this. I'm still in awe of MasterCard, in awe of our leaders, you know, and with all due respect, you know, sitting in these meetings. And after several of them, my boss, who was very clear and direct with his feedback to me in a very respectful way, which, which was great. awesome, right, mm-hmm. um, said, you just aren't showing up at these meetings. Why didn't you which show up? He knows okay. I'm in the meetings. He knows I have an opinion. I have plenty to say and plenty to talk about. And in these meetings, I wasn't showing up. So number one point is, Having a good manager that can be your coach that can point out things is key to this and key to a technologist working better. Mm-hmm. What I found myself doing though, and I, I did reflect on it, because it wasn't something that I just did harumph and you know, I I'm, I'm not doing, you know, and I, I accepted it. And in doing it had a major reflection, which is I was having meetings in my own head. I was having <laughs> the, the conversation, I was sure. having the action items, I was having the feedback, I was creating the arguments and the debate and doing all of that, but I wasn't active in the meeting. I wasn't doing that. And my role was to do that actively in the meeting. Mm-hmm. So I found myself having to really shift my own thinking to how do I be present and actively participate. And by the way, for me, that took the confidence to expose myself to what I might say that might not be quite well thought out or well you know sure. well constructed and sure. something that as soon as words come out of your mouth the the you know the it's thoughts there. might be jumbled it's out there right <laughs> yes. so it really taught me to shift into that kind of conversation mode where it's okay to have the conversation okay it's okay, okay to start the conversation yes. you know you can then create techniques for that by starting by just if you don't want to propose the answer ask a, ask question, a question right and and so it, you come up with way. techniques for mm-hmm. engaging which really does then tend to, to help the conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and that was just or just early in my career. And again, I, I sit here as an engineer and sit here as a, as a solution guy and a fix-it guy and, and have, you know, like to think that I have a lot of tools in the toolbox and answers. But that one piece, as you move up in your career as a technologist, the ability to A, get good coaching, mm-hmm. B, know what you want to do next, and then be comfortable with shifting into this active participant, not just sit, at the back and be, you know,
11: attending
0: mm-hmm. there
11: is really key.
0: Talk to us about the something extra that you guys see in your team members. You yeah. guys have built an amazing culture there.
11: So we have daily rhythms and the morning meeting at eight 30 starts out and, and somebody leads the meeting and whoever they volunteer for it and do walk up music and tell us about themselves. And then after that is done, we stretch during that time, but then we go grateful appreciation and we pass a microphone around. What are you grateful for? And so it could be anything that we hear, you know, mm-hmm. some, you know, concert. someone's in, in town for a concert. Right. It, it also could be something level where we had one uh, young man, Josh, who had uh, taken the uh, Dave Ramsey's Road to Economic Freedom course that we, we offered. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I just sold my dream pickup truck and I bought a less expensive truck, but this is the first time I've ever been debt-free and I've had money in the bank from my family and mm-hmm. me. So that really m- brings me to tears by people learning and growing together and inspiring that. So it's grateful appreciation it is just wonderful. And it's hard to have a really bad day or even a bad day. When, when you're counting things- your blessings. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and when you're inspired mm-hmm. by others and other mm-hmm. people's stories, it is mm-hmm. so rich and rewarding.
12: Yeah, I think about that daily habit. We've been doing it now every single day for the last four plus years. So our whole company gathers. We have a slide up in front of it. And all that's on it, it says grateful appreciation. And we pass around a mic and people share what they're grateful for. I just think about that one little tiny something extra. If that could be in everybody's life, in every company throughout St. Louis, and every company throughout the United States and, mm-hmm. and around the world. If everyone just shifted their focus into what am I grateful for? What I like about grateful versus thank you, thank you is thanking somebody. Mm -hmm. Grateful doesn't require another person. It's just about some situation and they can be grateful in any situation. If someone's attacking them, they can still be grateful. If the work is hard, if they're going through trials or tribulations, whatever it is, they can be grateful. And when you look at it through that lens, everything can be turned and you can grow through it instead of shrink away from it. Could
0: not agree more. What do you believe is something extra that every leader needs?
13: I think every leader needs to pay attention to the people that they're leading and find and help them find what gives them power and try to identify people ideally that already know their power, how they get their power, and then you just keep feeding it. You keep feeding it. You Mm -hmm. keep feeding it. If you're leading a team of super men and women, you won't be giving them kryptonite, right? Like you want to be giving them the sun. And so you've got to become the sun for their superpower. And so literally if you don't know that about every one of your employees that you care about every single day, it's kind of like, a would you make LeBron James <laughs> clean his own shoes, right? You wouldn't. Of
0: course not. Right? right. Or
13: play with bad shoes, mm-hmm. right? And so I think a lot of times we forget, because we're always thinking about the product, thinking about the service, thinking about the customer.
0: Nothing happens without the human. Without the human
13: that's <laughs> yes. working for you. Yes. That, yes. That's working on your mission. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of times the key is to find people that actually get power from different areas. There are people out there that enjoy Things that I would never enjoy, which is Mm -hmm. writing emails, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. or scheduling things or being organized, you know, but there are people that love that stuff. Right. And And when you
0: marry those, I mean, I say that all the time. My EA, I'm calling you out, Jenny. She is the most organized person in the world, but she makes me be able to go so much further because she's using her superpower. (laughs) And together, you can do so much more and accomplish so much more. So I could not agree with you more. I cannot even tell you. How many people have been on this show and have said someone found something in them or called Mm -hmm. something out in them that Mm -hmm. they oftentimes didn't even recognize themselves, but they called something out and it changed the trajectory of their life? And I will say,
13: to become a leader, you know, I was with some students from WashU yesterday that were a black engineer uh, student organization at WashU. And I said to them, you need to start building awareness of what gives you joy. If you need to meditate, great. Mm -hmm. Not everybody needs to do that, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's Mm no easy way to do that. You just got to pay attention. What makes you happy gets you out of bed? My co-founder, Jeff, he's an engineer. He did his PhD in biomedical engineering. He says, you know what gets him out of bed every day? People. And so when he's working with people, he wants to be there. Mm -hmm. He doesn't like working alone. Right. And it takes a a lot. (laughs) It's really tough, (laughs) as you know. But as we all get older and we get more... Quote unquote wise, you know what wisdom truly is is understanding yourself and understanding what powers you.
0: I could not agree with you more. you know, obviously you've made this your home, so what does St. Louis mean to you, and why why would people want to come here and stay here? I think it's an awesome community. We're originally from Kentucky, as I said. But we've made this our home. It's just a big little town. I really do feel like that. And, you know,
9: one of the reasons I think is because I came here and I I had a church home and I made a lot of my lifelong friends there and then decided, you know, I don't want to go to L.A. I don't want to go to New York. Is that bad? Because that's what you're supposed to do in my job but you can make a great living mm-hmm. and you quality of life, life is important is. to me. Mm-hmm. And my family's only a three and a half hour drive away. I'm caring for my stepmom who has dementia, who is in Kentucky, and there's just a lot of life to be lived here. And I wanted to raise my kids in a city like this that They have lots of opportunities, great education, mm -hmm. great corporate involvement in all of these different charitable events. I mean, this is a giving area, and people are so good here.
0: I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I couldn't agree with you more. It's one of the most philanthropic communities, I think, in the country. Are there other something extras that you believe that leaders really need to be great leaders?
14: I firmly believe that it needs to be their own something extra. It is very easy, you know, with so much great teaching out there about how to be Mm -hmm. um, a great leader the next business book that comes out, the next program that we want to institute. And I think particularly as women, Sometimes, if there are not other strong women leaders near in your field, mm-hmm. perhaps all the other leaders that you've been familiar with might have been male. They might have approached either your industry or your work or your profession in a way that would be very different than how you would approach it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people don't feel comfortable enough really being themselves and doing it truly their way with their something extra. And I just try to encourage women to double down Mm -hmm. on being yourself.
0: And be the best version of you. That's what I always say. You're the only one of you.
14: Yes, instead of a pale version of someone else. It is incredibly important that no one silence their gift because they feel like are something extra is isn't needed in the Peloton. It is. It is. It right. is vitally important, particularly as leaders work together. Leaders need to be able to feel strong enough to be able to know and use their gifts in the group. Right. So I do want
0: to talk to you, this is something extra, and we've talked about that a little bit, but... Tell us, Adrian. I mean, this can be something extra that you feel like every leader needs. If there is somebody in your life, past or present, that you want to highlight, what was the something extra in them? I happen to believe, and I know you believe this too, that every person was uniquely, fearfully, wonderfully made. And every person has value, and everybody has something extra to give the world. Well, I tell you, that's a
15: hard one because, you know, when I think of characteristics of a good leader, There are they just well. Really we can have a
0: few few, few.
15: something extra, <laughs> a few something extras, okay. Right. <laughs> uh, well, one, honestly, I I feel that confidence is something extra
14: that mm-hmm. when
15: I see people with confidence, and I'm not talking about the arrogance of mm-hmm. I'm talking. There's a, there, there's a difference. Growing up, I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself although people thought I did because Mm -hmm. I always, I think, act as though I did. But deep down inside, I really Mm -hmm. didn't. I think you really have to have faith in yourself and believe Believe. that confidence, believe that you can do it even when you don't feel like you can. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's one thing, compassion. You know, a lot of leaders lack compassion. Mm -hmm. And so I think being able to have that empathy, to see yourself... You know, maybe you've never been through that and it's hard to even imagine, Mm -hmm. but to at least try to find a way to understand and have some compassion. And influence is always well, there's good. an old
0: saying that people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. Oh, that is, and it's so true. That is I mean, so your true. people need to believe yes. that you truly care about them as human beings. That they're not an object, to... just an asset, an asset, right? Yes. That, they're, that they're humans.
15: That's it. You know, and I'm sure you I'm sure you've heard how it's been said that people quit jobs not because. Of the money, but because of people, it's usually. That's and so true. you said making people feel appreciated is yes. so important and uh, and caring. And so, right. yeah. so those are something extra that I, I, I like, and I, I think it's just that. important. Awesome.
3: Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc., 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.